All right, Cedric says we're good to go. We're good to go. In October of last year, which is the last month of the CSN tour of last year, we were just talking about buses. Well, Shane and I share a bus, so usually when we're amped after a show, you know, it's very hard to come down. You know, you, you know, you come from, you know, thousands of people adoring you to blank walls. You know, so on the bus afterwards, very often we just get our guitars out and just start playing. So we wrote twenty songs in a month and recorded twenty songs in eight days. Uh, it, was an, it was incredible. I'd never, I'd, I'd never been in this situation before. I normally, of course, know who I'm recording with, <laughs> right? But this was the first time I ever went into the studio and shook the drummer's hand and said, Hi, I'm Graham. What's your name? Jay? Okay, well, let's start recording. Because Shane put together a really great backing uh, band for, for, the, for this record, and Shane's producing it. So we'd like to do one of those songs from it. This one's called Myself at Last. Two. The light is slowly fading And the night comes on so fast It's so hard to fight my past When all is said and done It's so hard to count the cost Lonesome road to lose myself at last. And the day that breaks before me, it may never be surpassed. Question haunting me Is my future Just my past So I'm screaming At the universe Just enough To make her laugh And I'm lonesome road to lose myself at last and with everything I've ever done well I've tried to be my best When everything is 
said and done It's sometimes hard to find what's lost And I'm rolling down this lonesome road To lose myself at last Interesting to try and make music at this time of day. <laughs> Normally I'm still sleeping, I think. Um, okay. Let's, um, let's do something a little different. What we're going to do now is tell you a couple of things and then sing a song. What I'm about to tell you is that Joni Mitchell is out of the hospital. She's alert. She's awake. She's speaking. She's making a slow recovery, and they expect a full recovery soon. So that's the story on Joan, uh, because a lot of our audience, of course, love Joni's music, of course, as we all do. So I just wanted to pass that on to you. Um, and now we're going to... Um, I say this on my shows, and I tell people, a lot of people are very interested in, in how songs get created, why, what, what headspace were you in when you did that, right, you know. And here's a perfect example. One morning I took Joni to breakfast in Los Angeles, and after breakfast we're walking back to her car, and we pass an antique store. And she's looking in the window, and I was too, you know, I'm always curious about antique stores. And she saw a vase that she liked, so she bought it. And we went back to her house in Laurel Canyon. It was one of those grey, drizzly Los Angeles mornings, as sometimes happens. And uh, I said, hey, why don't I light a fire and you put some flowers in that vase that you just bought today? <laughs> I swear, that's how it happened. 
And, you know, so Joni went into the garden to, to get some flowers. That means she wasn't at her piano, and that means that I was, and I rode our house in probably about an hour and a half. Um, but we've never done it this way. Well, maybe once, a sound check or something. I'll light the fire That you bought today Staring at the fire For hours and hours While I listen to you Play your love songs All night long for Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Right before I left the Hollies, I had a, a kind of a writing spurt myself. I mean, in one night I wrote uh, 
Lady of the Island, right between the eyes, and started uh, this this song that I'm going to play next. Uh, I didn't realize when I wrote it just how long this particular piece of music uh, lasts. I, it's it's kind of amazing to me. I got a call from a friend of mine who was in Kathmandu, of all places, sitting in a cafe, and teacher children came on the radio, right? And uh, what, what an incredible thing as a writer and as a musician to know that the words and the melodies that you write can make it around the world for a long time. This music thing is pretty good. I suggest all of you pick up a guitar <laughs> and start that. Two, one, two, three, four. You who are on the road must have a code that you can live by. Become yourself Because the past Is just a goodbye Teach Your children well Their father's hell Did slowly go by And feed Them on your one they pick is the one you know by. Don't you ever ask them why? If they told you, you would cry. So just look at them and sigh.
Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. My friend Shane Fontaine over here. Small Studio is made possible by a grant from the Herbert Simon Family Foundation and with support from Nito Art Shop and Sun King Brewery. And now an interview with Graham Nash from WFYI's Jill Dittmeyer. Well, Graham Nash, welcome back to Indianapolis. Thank you very much. You've been here quite a number of times. I know. I know. Usually it's, uh, it was in the early days uh, Farm Aid with Neil, of course. And yes. the very first concert I saw, must have been 79 or 80, was Crosby, Stills, and Nash at Market Square Arena in downtown Indianapolis, which is no longer here uh, anymore. Well, you, the truth is, you know, I travel all around the world, and every single city is rebuilding itself constantly. This constant flux of tearing buildings down and tearing down these old beautiful theaters and putting up another 7-Eleven, you know, it's like, it's insane. And you play both indoors and out. I know you've played outdoors at White River State Park here, and I believe yes. the three of you played inside at Murat last year, which where you'll be right. this evening, too. Right. Do you have a preference for indoor, outdoor? And I do. Having played, you know, in front of hundreds of thousands of people, you know, I like to be able to look in your eyes and see if I'm touching you. I mean, not physically, but if, if I'm connecting with you, you know, and you can do that. When you play a live audience of that kind of size, you know, hundreds of, you know, 100,000 people, you have to make sure that not only can the people on the front row have a good time, but you need to project so that the people in the last row get just as much juice. Which is... a. A major question for you. I, I looked at your travel itinerary. You are somewhere different like every other night, and then there's a couple nights, your night tonight. You've been doing this for decades. Your voice is still amazing. How? What kind of care do you take care of yourself, your voice, to be in that kind of shape? I, ha- to do I have this? a voice roadie, <laughs> and he takes my voice every day, and he puts it in a little safe and keeps it nice and warm and stuff. I don't do anything. I, I, I was thinking, and I said this at last night's show, it was, it's kind of amazing at, uh, you know, at the age that I am that I can still uh, sing like this. It, it, and I don't, the truth is, it's not like I you know, warm up for hours before every concert, maybe, maybe for 10 minutes, but nothing. I, 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 I mean, I, I eat reasonably healthy and I get reasonable exercise and reasonable sleep. Um, and I've always been a very positive person, and I think that helps a great deal. Uh, I'm just a lucky kid. And so this tour, um, it doesn't intimidate you then to see no. all the different places that you go Not and everything? No, because the truth is I'm a communicator, and I'm a writer. And when things happen to me that, I, uh, that move my soul enough to write about it, um, I, I have to keep doing that daily. I mean... There's so much to write about. Look what's happening in this world. Everything from the ridiculousness of, you know, the size of Kim Kardashian's ass to Yemen. I mean, look at it. Look at the whole spectrum of humanity. It's in, it, this is an exciting time for me. And why is that important that we continue, and you especially, continue to produce songs that reflect the politics, the culture of our times? Because I think it's the duty of every artist to reflect the times that they live in and look at the times that we live in. And you're also a very gifted photographer and painter as well. What, what is it that catches your eye that makes you pull out the camera? And exactly take- what you said, something that catches my eye. I'm trying to be open as much as I can. And that means uh, 
360 for 365 days a year. Of course, you never can attain that, but I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, to listen to what's going on in the corner over here and look at that woman serving coffee over there. At the same time, I'm keeping eye contact with you. I try and m make my senses be as open as possible. And when, when you do that, uh, you know, information comes in that you have to deal with. And as a songwriter, I have to deal with the stuff that upsets me or makes me fall in love. And when you... Speaking of which, all of that was kind of compiled in your, your memoir that mm. you wrote. Tell me about that. Was that was it fun? Was it hard? Was it a trip down memory well, lane? I must, was it I must tell you, it was all of those things. Mm. It was a trip. It was, it was fun. Um, I've never really enjoyed looking backwards because I don't think there's really much you can do about it. Um, I'm always interested in the song I'm writing now and the show I'm going to do right after I leave the studio here. You know, I, I, I'm right. Having said that, when I... When I got the first manuscript of the first draft of the book and I, and I read it page by page, I was completely alone. I looked down at, at the end and I said to myself, my God, I wish I was him. <laughs> because in retrospect, it looks like an incredible life, and it is. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm ready for the next chapter. Speaking of the next chapter, you're a new grandfather again. Indeed. And... and, and also, another one, too. He, uh, I just told you when we were talking earlier that my, my son, Will, who's with me on the road here, and his wife, Shannon, just had identical twin boys. My firstborn son, Jackson, mm -hmm. gave us a, a beautiful granddaughter, Stella Joy, two years ago. And his partner, uh, Melissa, is now pregnant again and due on her daughter's birthday. So, you know... Tell me about the time with them what, when, when you're with her, with Stella. What, what do you like to do? The truth is that... I want to fill my days with good stuff. I mean, I have a choice, and everybody has a choice. You can either fill your day with rubbish, or you can fill your day with good, you know, soul-enriching stuff. And the time that I spend with my grandchildren is incredible. And as a matter of fact, I wrote Wild Tales, my autobiography, for my grandchildren. Because my children know who I am. They know how I deal with people. They know how I deal with my life. They know how I react to certain situations. They've been to a million shows. They've been all over the world with me. They know who I am. My grandchildren don't. And they may be interested, maybe, uh, in, in how this uh, man, you know, poor family in the north of England made it to this point. You've also seemed to have always been the calm to to David Crosby's storm. <laughs> you, you've spent a lot of time with those two gentlemen, he and Stephen Sills. It's it's got to be just like family at this point. It is with all the ups and the downs. Yes. See, I never had brothers, so I I don't really know what that is. But these guys are my brothers, and sometimes we fight. But I must tell you that the the truth is that we all realize that the most important part of our relationship is the music that we make. All this other stuff is just, you know, BS. I have to ask you about Joni Mitchell, and I know she suffered some severe health problems recently, too. Do you still stay in touch with her at all? Absolutely. I'm in touch almost every day. Uh, she is out of the hospital. She's alert. She's speaking. Uh, she's not walking quite yet, but she will, and, and they expect a, a good recovery for her. She's being taken care of by a, a great team of people. You know, yes, so Joni is on the mend. 
What songs are brewing in your head right now? What issues are out there that you've been observing as you've been on the tour, Can't watching the news, hearing things going on? I know some of your recent work was about Ferguson and things like that and the such. Is there, are there some songs that you're working on right now that once always. you end this tour that we'll be always. able to hear? Always, always, always trying to create. Um, the Ferguson song was a very interesting song. It was uh, Shane Fontaine, who is a mm-hmm. great guitar player in, in our band, uh, and I uh, wrote, when we heard about Michael Brown being shot by the policeman in Ferguson, uh, we wrote a song that morning and performed it that night. And normally what you do is you write a song and then you play it for your friends and you play it for your family and then you kind of road test it. You do it in a couple of concerts to make sure the form of the song is right and the key is right and the arrangement is right. Um, But sometimes you just have to say what you have to say. And uh, last night we dedicated it to Michael Brown and to Freddie Gray in Baltimore and to Sandra Bland, you know, and to to, uh, Sam Du Bois uh, that was killed, you know, a couple of days ago. Because, quite frankly... uh, it's very obvious that the job of a policeman must be incredibly difficult, and you have to uh, be a certain kind of personality to have that job. And there are many, many, many great policemen that want to serve. Uh, there are some that don't. Uh, and uh, I think that the militarization of our police force is getting a little uh, out of hand. It, it, it's cause for concern, this. I know you're very involved with with the environment and ecology and that those kind of issues too. Are there anything sticking in your head right now that perhaps you feel a song or some photographs coming um, to kind of get that message out to the public? I think it's I think it's more than that. Uh, uh, yes, but I think it's more than that. I think you have to act. And uh, the the board of Muse, you know, Jackson Brown and, and Bonnie Raitt and James Taylor and John Hall and myself uh, are planning. Uh, we were planning some some more anti-nuke stuff, and it's incredibly important, especially after what's going on in Fukushima, you know, with 300 tons of irradiated water being poured into the Pacific Ocean every single day, and it's almost been five years. Right, five Can you imagine that? It's on. almost been five years since Fukushima. Wow. Anyway, um, but the overriding concern is really global warming. Is, is this climate change that's going on that, you know, the majority of sciences, uh, scientists tell us, you know, is, is, is exacerbated by human beings. Um, and so under the umbrella of climate change, we're going to do some, some important work this year. Uh, San Onofre, in a nuclear power plant in California, was shut down a couple of years ago, and it looks like uh, uh, Diablo Canyon, which is only... Mm-hmm got 50 miles from Crosby's house um, is suspect right now. So there's a lot of important work to do, absolutely no doubt about it. But you have to prioritize your time because you can't do everything. I got a letter once from a lady who wanted me to do a benefit to help get glass off the beach because her kid had been to the beach at the weekend and cut his foot badly, right? Important stuff. But you have to prioritize your time. Is that more important than doing a benefit to raise funds to feed 300,000 kids? I mean, what are the priorities here? So my priorities are our children and our planet. And maybe some lullabies for those uh, those twin grandboys, Absolutely. Huh? Yes. The, the world is very good to me. Thank you for joining us today. And, and come back to Indianapolis anytime you want. You're very welcome. Thank you.